You guys always talk about the amazing times you had with your friends. I want that. I want amazing. Listen, pal. In the space of one day, you've gotten pierced, you've gotten beer, and you've gotten extremely snippy. You've turned into someone that I honestly, I don't even know anymore. So, no. You know what? You can forget it. I knew you were going to be like this. I'm not getting in that car tomorrow and you can't make me. Or you're getting in that car or my foot is getting in your ass. Oh, Eric. I have never been prouder. It's like watching you hit your first home run. If you'd ever done that. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says on the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian, and that is it. And I know I've done this joke a few times. That is it. Uh, for the first time, I think we've released something like 320 pieces of content here in the BFE. For the first time ever, I have been unable to rustle up anybody who has seen what we are doing today. And today, it's a see it or skip it on that 90s show. And already, <laughs> I don't know how many of you hit, have hit download or even or push play based on this. But I don't know. I think I speak to, if, if I'm, I'm in my early 40s. So that 70s show came along at such a sweet spot. And I'd even missed the first couple of seasons because it was on Fox. And Fox didn't really get pickup on Canadian channels as rebroadcasters. So Friends was NBC, but Friends was also, I think, Global, where I was from, which is a Canadian station, obviously. And then other other shows, you know, they had they had other other networks, Canadian networks rebroadcasting it. So it kind of gave it a legitimacy when it was on twice. That 70s show, not so much as far as I can remember. And therefore, it was kind of a little bit, it, it, it was an American thing. And of course, they're, they're, they're all American things, but they didn't hit global fire. And then I came across it, and they were, oh, I don't know, just a few years behind me, I think, or just around the same, the same point in time. And as a result, uh, I really kind of, uh, kind of found, um, kinship's not the right word, because it wasn't my experience they spoke to. Here we go, 1998. So I'd have been 19 when Eric Foreman's like 17. And so it was so close to my experience, at least as far as time-wise. And there was there was a sincerity to it and an organicness to it that, you know, while also playing with this other concept, the 70s. And it was more than just a name. It was more than just a gimmick. It was legitimate setting and a character in the show. And so uh, this long introduction is just my way of going. Therefore, when that 90s show came out, you know, I raised a spocky an eyebrow. What's this going to be like? And not like that 80s show where they tried to just use the naming sort of concept and go into a different decade that came right after that 70s show came off the air and it bombed terribly. But going into the universe of that 70s show, Point Place, Wisconsin, into the Foreman house one more time, once more, unto the basement. 
If anybody gets that reference, please give me a shout. It'll make my day. Not the fact that it's the basement. <laughs> the entirety of that quote. Um, and so, so it, it gave me an idea that it was something I, I was at least curious about. And I don't know, Netflix has done this before, haven't they? They've gotten into bed with uh, with the Full House, Fuller House thing, and I gave that a look for a legacy sequel series. And in many ways, there's a few parallels you could draw. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the the the, the format here on See It or Skip It, and I'm going to try my best to do this by myself, is that we start by doing a spoiler-free version of the series. So basically, if it's in the trailer, I think it's fair game. That's kind of the way I I see it. And then afterwards, you're going to hear a little sound effect. It's going to sound like this. And you'll be given ample warning that we're now into spoiler country. And as such, then everything's up for grabs. So I'm going to give you my version of what I think in the spoiler-free uh, kind of you know broad strokes, not giving away any huge plot points. And then all I'm giving you my whole, should you see it? Should you skip it? Ergo the naming and branding of this particular sequence. But then, uh, you know, at the, at the end of it, I'll, I'll, I'll then spoil it. So if you've seen it, uh, come along for the ride. I'd love to get some feedback on this one. A, just to know someone listened, <laughs> because it's interesting how when I sat down to go, I really want to do this thing, I really want to do this, uh, this see it or skip it, how daunting it was knowing, A, it was going to be by myself, and going, okay, how much, usually I just turn the mics on and we start talking for a see it or skip it. I take no notes. And this time I was going, all right, I'm going to have to take some notes to sort of organize my thoughts. And so I've done so, and, and you may hear a little bit of clicking uh, as, as I go through this, because that's just me kind of going through, trying to find my thoughts. And if something hits me that I'm like, oh, I, I meant to have a look at this, uh, then um, we'll take a look at it as, as as you know, I might look something up in, in real time. So a little bit of behind the scenes here and so on and so forth. But before we go any further, I want to do what we always do here in the BFE, and that's thank our Patreon backers, people who keep us doing stuff like this, you know, people who have uh, helped keep the, the – uh, the hosting paid for. So we're able to bring two to three episodes a week to your ears. To the people who live in the microphone. Got to make a shirt on that. You can get on it. Um, I want to thank Julene Hermes, James de Guzman, Lena Oberholzer, Ensign Ian Davies for making it so. Chris Peterson, Randall, what's your handle? Silva, Dwayne Smith. That's Dwayne Smith. The Yeatmeister, Reverend Bruce, Nate the Great, Andy Dixon, Holly Callen, Cheesy, with a fish on a bike, Richard, and the cool cat himself, Ryan Kuketz. And so that is our introduction as we go into that 90s show. And the first thing, I have a question here for, for, for listeners all over the globe. Can you get that 70s show on Netflix? Because if you can't get that 70s show on Netflix, like we can't get that 70s show anywhere in the UK, what an absolute own goal this is. What a black eye. What a what a what a misstep. Because if your goal is to try and unearth feelings of nostalgia, it might be good to have that 70s show as a warm-up for what's gonna happen in that 90s show. Moreover, 
if you're going to open up this universe to people who've never seen it before and want to know the significance of certain story elements, that would make sense to have that 70 show available too. So Netflix, why you don't have, it's not like it's on any other competitor's website as it currently sits. So why you don't have it, at one point you did, why you don't have it on Netflix at this current time, is an it, it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. So, first things first, um, as I'm looking through it, I asked myself, I said earlier, the 70s felt like a character in that 70s show. So my question now becomes, does the 90s feel like a character in that 90s show? And I don't think it does at all. I think you've got a, uh, you've established a timeline, and you're saying it's the 90s. And there's some, and I say some fashion choices, which are the 90s. There's some which very much aren't. It didn't feel like a small town. I, I, I grew up in a small town in the 90s. This did not feel like a small town in the 90s. You want to tell me it's a neighborhood somewhere in a city in the 90s? Sure, fair enough. But it, 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 and I think it's there's a limitation where we go, um, there are casting procedures that we want to take part in in a modern time. And that's admirable and that's something we should be striving towards i'm always a little bit resonant when it comes to period pieces or just in general sort of groups that are more often than not been homogeneous so i've always used kim's convenience as my example for this i've got no issue with um i just sound like it's my big and, and how noble of me uh i i welcome i welcome all sorts of diversity on on, on television programs um, I love Kim's convenience until the writing got bad. Uh, I love the idea that I was able to come into this other group. Um, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up in the 90s. I know what my high school was like in the 90s. It was a fairly homogeneous group. And so this felt like what it is. It's a bunch of people in 2022 trying to pretend they're in the 90s. And I'm not sure the makeup of small towns represents this. And I say this because I think there's a story purpose to it. I really do. I think there is the idea that so much of that 70s show was built on the idea of fitting in, and they try to do it in the series, but fitting in, being cool, uh, being part of the status quo. And this group felt like they were transplanted from 2022, not just because of the diversity in place, but because they're so different in their unique way. And there's never any pressure to change who that is. And it didn't feel authentic to what the 90s was. It felt like these are all people who have their own YouTube and Twitter groups that they hang out with and they're on Reddit and they got their TikToks. And, and, and it feels like they're all ridiculously assured in in their uniqueness and i'm going i went through the 90s man we were a pretty big mainstream we were a pretty big mainstream mtv still meant something to us you know we, we all still listen to the same 40 sort of songs you know one out of five kids turned into a goth when nine inch nails came out stuff like that and, and this was very much the opposite of that. And so the 90s never feels like a character. You can make passing references to things. You can um, have props that are from that relative time frame. It did not feel authentic, both in, well, I, I guess just what I said, the characterization on a broad stroke. And after the, after the break, I'll talk about 
I'll talk about just individual characters and how they don't make any sense in a lot of ways, at least it felt like to me. Um, something that was, well, no, I mean, there are, I mean, I think the fact that there are cameos has been established. I won't say who's, who's there, but I'll say that the use of cameos was well done in a way to get new characters over. I'm going to say it's kind of an old wrestling trope. You use the established old school wrestler and you pair him with some new kid. And hopefully some of that rub shine comes from the old guy to the young guy. And hopefully that passes it along. They certainly tried for that. Uh, I'm not sure in a way that, that, that how if you're most excited about, about the old characters, then you got a problem. I thought Star Wars, the new trilogy, did a pretty good job in The Force Awakens of using the old characters to bring a shine to the new characters. It's about the only positive thing I'll say about the new trilogy. Um, because then the last Jedi happens and he's and I'll get into 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 throwdowns from that. But 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 there we go. And the, and the biggest laughs were the callbacks from that 70s show. The biggest reactions were for that. And so I mean, I don't know, I'll probably cut to it after the break again, but who's the show for? Because the kids are written for for today's teenagers. In which case that's fine. That's who the show's for. Although it seems like a weird use of a legacy um title in order to do that. I mean, I is the branding enough to bring you know, if a kid doesn't know what the seventies show is, what's the point of that? But on the flip side then, if you're doing a nostalgia series and I, I don't want to see them all hanging out, but hanging out down the street. Um, yeah, it, it just it just throws me. And so, but at the heart of this, we have bumped up to main characters, Red and Kitty, Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp, who are largely fantastic. They do a good job. The writing is not as good. And I think uh, I saw from a little bit of research that Bonnie and Terry Tyler, I want to say, Bonnie and Terry Taylor. I'm going to take a quick look here at that. Bonnie and Terry Turner. I was close. I was close. Um, that they, um, they do the story, kind of like a broad brushstroke. But uh, that 90s show, uh, I believe it ends up being written by someone else with the surname of Turner. And so I would be very surprised if it wasn't um, Offspring of theirs um so um mainly written by here we are Lindsay turner and greg metier who you know i'm guessing they're a, a, a writing partnership and uh, it feels like it just a little bit um first eight episodes directed by gail mancuso last two episodes directed by laura prepon i'll leave that name there for the time being uh, which is really strange to have one person do the first eight and then have to hand it off. And I don't know if something happened. I don't know uh, what may have occurred. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm thinking she probably did the majority of Gail Mancuso. I'm looking for that 70s show just, just off the top of my uh, – no, she didn't do anything from that 70s show. So I'm speaking completely out of turn. Um. So that's a weird one to go eight episodes with one person and then two episodes with someone else as the director, something as important as that. 
and it does feel like the show pivots towards the end in a rather unexpected way uh, and i'll leave that there um so red and kitty i mean i'm i'm really big on red i'm not as big on kitty because kitty ends up as the character who who ends up being fonder of the kids which i think the the, the trailer shows us uh she gets sort of lumped in with scripts that might not well in my opinion that weren't as strong that weren't as strong as that 70s show and towards the end that 70s show scripts got a bit rough the last couple seasons especially their long-term story um so hey bonnie and terry turner you're not free on this one um and if they had any idea about the overarching sort of theme here we go and and the premise is the premise is that uh uh leia um foreman um is visiting with her grandparents for the summer and that's our setup here so she's she's our surrogate through who we get introduced to all these it was weird here's our surrogate as we get introduced and sometimes reintroduced to the wacky world of point place wisconsin but it's not the point place wisconsin remember because of course it's not it's 20 years later but having something's the same and something's different weird and um so i gotta sit tight on that point i want to make red's mellowed i'm okay with that red is mellowed not significantly but he's mellowed he's gotten older he should i also don't think the level of violence in his threats works in 2022 i don't and there's the other problem how much that 70s show it's weird because in a world where we're far more weed friendly in 2023 um so does that even lose its cool factor i don't know i don't know so um other characters i mean we can talk about the lead uh who is kali haverda as Leia foreman um it's all right she's clearly supposed to be female eric clearly supposed to be female eric um i've got some she's very young the character is very young and i think that results in um you can't go to the same places that 70s show did or at least if you did you feel a bit weird about it and so seeing everything through her eyes and this is also they have a problem with the conceit of the show uh that's right conceit i i'm i've managed to incorporate that into my vernacular many thanks to Sinead prasad who sort of dropped that in our interview and i thought i'm i'm nicking that Uh, The conceit of the show is that she's just being introduced. Now, in that 70s show, Eric was already, the group was established, and we were just joining them midway through their teenage journey. This was weird because you had to um, to try and organically create relationships, like, instantly. And it wasn't, uh, I think they struggled. I think they struggled. So, um, one of them, um, we've got uh, Ashley... Oh, it's it's German. I do apologize. Uh, Ashley Offerheide as uh, Gwen, who's the uh, who's the girl next door, and she will serve kind of the best friend Hyde role in that series. More on Hyde after the break. I'll say that. Uh, we've got uh, Mace Cornell as Jay. Uh, he's one of the two, three sort of principal boys in the group. Uh, he's the good-looking, charming one. Uh, we've got uh, Raindoy as Ozzy. Uh, he's the he's the Phoebe of the group. 
He's the quirky one. Uh, he's the openly gay character. Well, also sort of uh, just. No, I'm going to say it. you pretty much from the first time you see it, you get that he's openly gay. So I'm going to go ahead and run with that. Um, then we've got um, Sam Morelos as Nikki, um, who's um, yeah, she's 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 the smart one. And then you've got Maxwell as Nate, uh, who is Gwen's older half brother, um, Nikki's boyfriend. Uh, he's kind of the big dumb jock. She's the brainiac. Uh, and we have that. And then we also have a side character, Andrea Anders as uh, Sherry, the foreman's new neighbor. Uh, she's terrible. She's absolutely terrible. Um, nothing with her involved was positive in any light. It was, what if that 70s show didn't need a Kimmy Gibbler character and they gave us one, but as an adult, Oh, it's, it's, it's beyond. And it was, it's also insulting then for who, you know, she's the mother of, um, both Nate and Gwen, the best friend, the Hyde character. And in no way, A to these two, in no way should these two characters be siblings. And there's no way either of them came from this character here. It, it, it was just lazy character planning. And so if this feels like it's a bit all over the place, because I'm not sure that 70s show had a smart one and a this one and a that one and another one. You know, they were all kind of, except for you know, the foreign exchange they all took, took advantage of. And even that ran its course after a couple seasons. Uh, by take advantage of, I mean his uh, naivete. Instead, you've got these groups who's like, we're all these really, it, 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 again, it just feels like, in an effort to create an exclusive cast as possible, I think they've sacrificed a sense of authenticity. Not that a group of people like this would never hang out. I'm not sure this group of people would ever hang out. And in a way that like on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a workplace situation where there feels like there's a more organic way that these people would be in the same room at the same time. I'm not sure this gives us that because what are the things that teenagers tend to bond upon common interests and in the what we actually have are the six or seven most different teenagers ever and just because you throw in the basement and you spin the camera around a few times that's not enough to make this believable and if I don't believe in the characters relationships do I really care about them <sighs> So there's that. Um, do we have some callbacks to, I mean, the 70s show was famous for callbacks of 70s era entertainment and placing our characters in those things. Yeah, there's some of those and some work and some definitely do not. Uh, there's at least one that really works and it's really quite funny. Um, so that's a decent go. Um I think at the end here, I'm about to get to. The, I think I'm about to get to my judgment and jump to the post spoiler here. It'll be it'll be a quicker roll than some of the other ones will. Uh, I looked up that '70s show on IMDb, and it was 8.1. I looked at that '90s show on IMDb, and it was 6.4. And that's the view of the people. I know on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a passing reference, uh, something like yeah, uh, 70. 76% of critics are giving it a pass, and I don't get it. Although no one's given it a huge pass, 
but they're going, yeah, it's all right. Um, I think the words that best described it was someone said about it. It was, it was nostalgia, but it was unnecessary. And I, and instantly more or less forgettable. Um, is this, I'm looking at rogerebert.com. I'm just going to throw this here. I think this was it. There isn't much special about the spinoff featuring a new teen generation's mild comedy guides them on wholesome travails that land on the older couch in the basement. And I just think of a day, it's really about it. It's just not, you got to do more than just show me the basement and say, therefore, I love these kids. Um, they're too, so I can't think about talking about, but you think about what the pursuit of teenage life is, and it's those sort of taboo, uh, subjects and areas that coming of age requires it to, I think the cast are too, especially our protagonist is too young to get us on side with it. If I'm supposed to be the intended audience. And I think I am given the nostalgia rich universe. It is or else. Why do all the callbacks? Why do all the guest stars? Is this a series for me or is this a series for a new generation? If it's a series for a new generation, you don't need the branding. And even if you did, guess what? They can't find it. So that's it for me. I think you can hear where I've gone. I watched the whole thing. I'll probably watch season two. But at the end of the day, unless you're a diehard, my thing is skip it. It's an absolute skip. I'm going to watch to see if it gets any better because as they age into it, maybe it's, we've been told it's going to get picked up for a season two. So I, I reserve the right to go back and say, Hey folks, like some of those other series, I can't believe I'm putting them in the same breath as this, but like the office or parks and rec where season one's a bit of a wash heck parks and rec season two is a bit of a wash. Maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe they will. But I'll tell you what, they didn't figure it out this time. Not not on not, not on season one. Not on season one. Maybe sometimes we gotta swallow it down like a jagged little pill. Tell you what, that's it for spoilers. Spoiler free anyway. I'm gonna do spoilers in a second and we'll catch you on the flippity flap. Alright, spoiler, 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 spoiler country. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Alright, here we go. Let's talk about it. Um, okay, so the big problem is in, in the first episode of that 70s show or second episode, Eric turns 17. Okay. Um, Leia spends half of the summer 14 years of age. There's a huge gap of what happens in those three years. There's a massive gap as to what happens. So when they all find a keg, it's a lot different for a bunch of 17-year-olds to have a keg than it is for a 14-year-old. I just I just don't see any any other way around it. I do not. And so as a result, taboo subjects, not taboo in the sense we shouldn't talk about them, but those things that when you're younger and you're pursuing, you know, um alcohol, uh weed in this case, um, sex, romance, love. Oh, it's 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 too early. It feels too early. Not early enough for me to be sitting down and be rooting for this to happen. And then, okay, so let's talk about the other big one. 
Jay is a Kelso. A, the reveal was great. The reveal that he was a Kelso was great. And uh, Ashton Kutcher probably is the best. Um, he's probably the best returning character as far as his moment goes. He does very, very well. And the reveal that Jay is a Kelso in the burn, that's funny. Um, but the construct sucks then of Jay because Jay is Jay's a, the best boyfriend from 2023 ever. And he doesn't come off anything like a Kelso. You think of the original Kelso. The original Kelso was always petitioning. I don't, you can't say, I don't want to say pestering. I don't want to say badgering. He was very much up for having more sex with Jackie. And Jay can't do this. Well, Jay doesn't do this. And it didn't feel like an authentic teenage boy. Not that teenage boys have to be petitioning their girlfriends for sex all the time, but he's a Kelso, and it 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 it, it it's strange. It's a series that felt like it wanted to avoid cancellation at all times, and removed. Okay, if he's not the Kelso, then who is? Who is that character type in the group? Because these are the best human beings you've ever seen in your life. And then, as a result, is that authentic? Because teenagers make mistakes. Big mistakes. And if you're not prepared to go there, then... then, And that's that's a totally valid argument. We shouldn't go there. Great. Then don't reboot the series because it feels fake. Oh, I... Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But if Jay's going to be Donna in the sense that he's the romantic interest of our protagonist, then we need a Kelso. We need someone who's going to be, uh, I guess, a bad boy, uh, a guy who's going to be, you know, in the dysfunctional relationship. I I love Kelso and Jackie in the first one because we've all been in a situation where we've had a friend who's had a Jackie for, for a girlfriend. And going, when are you going to dump her? And there was, there was, I'm going to dump her. And of course, no, you're not. You're just too enamored by your, your libido. And we don't have that here. And we can't have it here because the minute we have, we find out that Kelso is ladies' man, is date is, is going to be dating, um, Leia. You get a little bit unnerved. And then you find out she's only 14. You're going, what is going on? She's too young. So, you know, I don't get it. They break their own internal world building by having Kelso and Jackie end up together in the reboot. And there is a scene later towards the end of a season when, um, oh, what's his name? Fez. Um, Sort of goes over it and explains it. But, you know, it felt, I mean, even, even Mila Kunis, who plays Jackie, said that she felt that was a misstep. But audiences, I guess, were petitioned. She, she was told by the producers that audiences would want to see her and Ashton Kutcher together. Um, apparently, Ashton Kutcher wasn't that big on coming back to a series. And Mila Kunis said, we owe our careers to the show, so it doesn't matter what the script looks like. <laughs> Truer words were never said. <sighs> so, yeah, um, I don't really know. So the teenage boys, I don't know if they act like teenage boys. I don't know if I, I don't know if I don't know if anybody's acting the way they should. I think everybody's just acting so perfect. Uh like I said, in a way to avoid yourself from and that's the weird thing, because you can treat these characters who are supposed to be so perfect. 
I got some news. For, I'm going to talk about it later. This thing is so blind in a couple of places to, okay, if you're going to go, oh, it's horrendous. I, uh, I asked earlier who the show was for. And, uh, for instance, the, the, I, I didn't, the Ricky Lake parody didn't hit for me, but the 90210 hit on every level. I felt, well, until the end when Ozzy has to do his breakdancing. But um, I thought the inclusion of Brian Austin Green was great. I thought the joke, it's because I'm a freshman, right? First off, as somebody who loved the original Lionel 210, great, even though they shot it so it looked like um, Saved by the Bell. But but that withstanding, or notwithstanding, um, I really uh, appreciated that. I thought it was, it was a funny joke, the way they played it. And that's the one that felt like they had the tenor the closest as they could and maybe that's what i'm talking about before before the break maybe that 70s show the characters relationships were figured out and then you get to the good stuff maybe it took a season to get there i really hope that's what it is uh let's talk about the cameos um kelso and jackie were strong eric okay he's a, he, go, he teaches star wars history or something like that at a university as a religious study i don't know what it is I guess it's a funny joke. Um, Donna, who was Laura Prebon a better actress 20 years ago? I think she might have been. Um, or is she, or is Topher Grace that good that he was carrying both of them? That's possible. That's really possible. I remember the scene where Donna gets off the bus because she can't go and her acting's not good there. Um, maybe a multi-camera sitcom exposes her or a single camera thing like Orange is the New Black gives her some freedom. I thought she was dreadful in how much mother I'm supposed to. She's, she's supposed to be a dislikable character. So there we go. Um, Fez, I don't know. It felt, where does the joke stop and the truth begin? He He's a character who never moved on and became anything more than what he was. And now he's just sort of living on point place, uh, you know, living on path glories as, as a, he owns a salon. Okay, great. Um, the best part of the Fez was the Fenton. I never realized this was Jim Rash, the first go around, um, which is weird because Jim Rash is a very specific look. And yet uh, he's he's done some great things. I mean, he's got some royalty on his. He's done that 70s show. He's done Community. He's done an episode of How I Met Your Mother, The Limo. Check it out. Um, serious sitcom cred. Um, Leo, probably one episode too many. Probably. But if he's around, I guess use him. Uh, I like Bob. Don Stark was great. And it would have been nice if we could have had some sort of reference to Tanya Roberts, um, who played Midge. Uh, Midge wanted to, Tanya Roberts, who played Midge, wanted to come back on the show. And if it ever rebooted and uh, she passed away, I think eight months before they announced uh, it was going to be coming back. And remember that was one that shocked me. And I went, wow, um, aging sucks because the people you care about, I mean, Don Stark looked old. Uh, and God bless him. I hope he's got many, many more things in him. Uh, that's the episode where we see the Vista cruiser, which makes no sense from a storyline perspective. I know he's playing a game of one-upmanship with a karaoke machine, but let's give the girl a car she can't drive for another year yet. So I guess that's another thing coming back that way. It's where she goes off for a drive with uh, 
um, Jay Kelsa. Um, but shall we talk about consent? Because I've talked a lot about how this is trying to be, you know, free from accusations of non-inclusivity. There's a whole storyline about how Leia wants to get her first kiss, and she goes to the mall to get that first kiss, and she propositions some guy behind the, uh, I think it's the ice cream stand, and he says, no, I do not want to kiss you. He might even say he's a girlfriend, but he literally physically runs away from her. So first off, there's that, and I can forgive this. This is a little bit of sitcom-y kind of hyperbole. Fine. But then finally she decides she's going to have that first kiss, and she walks, a couple days later, she walks up to the guy at the ice cream booth and lays a kiss on him, and, and the in the, in the laugh track live studio audience goes, woo, and I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? How, how tone deaf is this for 2023? How tone deaf is it? I don't see a world. It's bad enough if she walked up to some random hot guy and gave him a kiss. I could make my peace with it, I think, in the laws of sitcom hyperbole. But when it's a character who you previously established as not wanting to kiss her so badly that he runs away from her, and then we come back and she lays a kiss on that same individual still without his consent... And we get this giant cheer and goes, I can go now. Oh, this is. It's more than bad. It's wrong. Um, and it was weird. And these are things that. <sighs> I mean, there's one cameo we didn't get. It's Danny Masterton as, as, as Hyde, who was my favorite character. Probably everybody, uh, a fair number of people's favorite character. Um, and yeah, you can't have, you can't have him back on the show, no, especially at least not while not while legal proceedings are ongoing. I still don't think you probably can, regardless of how that ends. I think the optics are just better if you don't. But you would think, considering that, you would be really careful with the concept of consent. You would think, and I know it's sitcom and it's just down to a kiss. I get that. But why open yourself up to it? And then let's talk about season one, episode five. Two episodes later, there's a whole subplot about how this creepy older woman uh, tricks the two boys into spending time in the hot tub with them. And that I could probably be okay with. Again, trumped up hyperbole. But then when she's called out by her granddaughter of, oh, you've been doing this again, her joke is, "Let's." I've got a free king-size bed upstairs if you're interested. The same ruse that got them in the hot tub, therefore meaning she wants to get them into her bed. And Nate, the kind of dim one, was like, oh, really? And Jay has to go, no. And it was played again for laughs. And I'm like, that's, again, really disturbing. And I think in both situations, 
I think if we reverse the gender of the characters in play, I think we'd have a much stronger reaction to it. I'm not sitting here calling on it to be canceled, but I am sitting on it here calling on it to really give a better thought to where it's going. Really give a better thought to where it's going. Um, you know, this is a series. Hey, let's call a spade a spade. This is a series where Fez used to hide in the closet of girls while they slept um, towards the, I mean, how creepy, we, we do something on the, on the Friends of the Podcast episode, which is how, um, how stupid can you make Joey? How creepy could they make Fez towards the end of the run? Like he's hiding in girls' closets and that's done for like a tee hee hee, like he spies on them and that's, that's sort of tolerated. At first it was fought and then it was became cute and I'm just like, that's not the case, but. As a society, we've established that there are things we're willing to permit and not willing to permit, and it feels like we're talking on both sides of our mouth with this one because we can't celebrate this, I feel. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Let me know. Uh, you'll have to really fight hard on on the kiss for me, but let me know. Um, and then I guess there's not much else to go about. Um, I mean, obviously, they're going for season two. That's why Kitty's got the job at the school. But I don't know how you're going to do this because if if the setup, the conceit, if you will, is that the layers are to come back every summer, then if essentially layers are to come back every summer, then Kitty having a job at the school nurse really has no benefit to it at all. There's nothing that that sort of keeps her relevant in that regard uh, it shows that kitty wants to have a relationship with the kids that's fine a lot of undone um plot stuff i think like even in the individual stories i kitty still got a tattoo on her hand they never managed to like you know laser it i guess laser wouldn't exist back then i don't know how you could fix it but yeah so kitty's gonna have a tattoo on her hand for the rest of the time um i don't think they ever get the weed back out of uh out of red's jacket i don't think so there's all sorts of stuff. And, and, and let's not talk about the fact they're smoking weed that's like 20 years old. Surely, I mean, I'm, not a, I'm not a weed taker. I'm not. Uh, or a weed smoker, sorry. But um, surely, surely that thing's got a best before date. If, if my coffee beans have a best before date, surely that's got a best before date. They're both going to be roasted and toasted, right? Um, and then let's talk about the confusing end of story arc, which was we were set up the whole the whole season to care about Jay and Leia. And I don't know if there's an age discrepancy feels like there is. Um, and that, but then if we talk about the pivot to Nate at the end, and like I said, Laura Prepon is the director of the last two episodes. And I don't know. I don't know. It does feel like there's an abrupt change in the last two episodes. Leia's going to leave. Jay doesn't want to do long distance. And Nate's terrified that his girlfriend's going to leave him behind. Who's She's kind of wasted, if I'm being honest. Um, Sam Morales is Nikki. So, sorry, Sam Mo- Morales is Nikki. Um, she's, if she's not kissing his face, she's kind of absent. Um, and so we have this moment, this almost kiss between Nate and Leia. And that's kind of washed over as they go to leave. 
And it's these two characters terrified of being abandoned, terrified of being left alone, who have this moment. And I think, I don't know if you're trying to cram three. It's weird because the original setup of that 70s show was 20. It was, it, was, it was network television, 22 episodes a season for, you know, each season. And it felt like despite that, they were trying to cram two to three seasons worth of material into one season because you had her fall in love meet the gang fall in love with the boy have a relationship with the boy have the oh no i'm I'm leaving relationship with the boy uh and then oh no i'm kind of into your other friend i mean it took it took um, beverly Hills Island 210 three seasons to get to the uh, dylan kelly pivot spoilers at least three seasons i think uh, uh, it's br- <sighs> Everything's a breakneck speed, and maybe I'm an old guy shouting in the cloud. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. But I just don't get it. It's. I imagine it's weird. It's like you went back to a house that you used to live in, and you can't have an opinion on how they've changed it because it's not your house anymore. It's their house. And it had these great features. And you're like, why aren't you using these? These are great features. Red and Kitty. The Vista Cruiser. Uh, the multi-camera pivot. <sighs> but instead, oh, I just realized there's a that sort of scene where Fez, uh, they use old archival footage and they put modern-day Fez around the circle with everybody else. Well, not everybody else. And he says, oh, all my friends are here or something to that effect. And, of course, they're not because there's no hide. And by using the line, all my friends, I don't know if it's more obvious that he's not there or what. Oh, it's a tr- okay, I guess where I'm, where I'm landed is it's a, it's a really tricky franchise to to relaunch. And even if it wasn't tricky, they've done it unevenly at best. That's the best way I can put it, if not poorly. And I said to be in the minority, it seemed, I'm really surprised. It seems to be like, it's not, that's the problem. It's not bad enough to be like, I'm turning this off. But it's bad enough that you, it's just not funny enough. So you sit there and you go, huh. And it's not ha 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 funny. It's just a little, hmm. And you can tell they're going for a joke there, but it's not landing. And so it's, it's a song being covered by a new band that just makes you want to go back and listen to the original. That's what it is. And that with that, that's where I'm going to leave it. So that 90s show, uh, I said skip it. If you made it this far, I mean, I've kind of ruined most of it, I think, for you. Um, this going to be back for season two. Uh, does it have legs to grow? Maybe, but they got to get older to get to some of this material. Because it just feels discordant getting there too early. Um, so, you know, as that 70s show itself, the song ended with We're All All Right, We're All All Right. You're only about half right. We'll catch you on the flippity flap. 